had an upshot of his lump, and he says, I think so now. Be the way they're all going on tonight, is I'm looking for a row. Now listen here, Grace, if you want your face, you better not shout our ball. There's a lot of hackshaws going to be here tonight to respect the ragman's ball. The song The Night of the Ragman's Ball was collected by Colm O'Loughlin from a ballad singer in Thomas Street, Dublin in 1913. He published it in his book Irish Street Ballads. In the introduction to his book, Colm says that of one or two of our songs, it may well be that the authors are still living. So strong the tradition, so true to type are such songs as Bachelor's Walk and The Night of the Ragman's Ball, that it seems almost natural and fitting that no record should remain of their authors. Well, Ash Street was all cobblestones from the top to the bottom of it. And we lived in 37, the kiln. And our front, the front house, the front of the house led out onto the kiln. And the back of it led into Ash Street. And we always had to go into Ash Street to go up to the house. And we lived, oh, we lived the top, Tommy lived in the top pair front, and my grandmother lived in the fourth pair front in Ash Street. And that's why Tommy wrote the song of the Ragman's Ball. During the never, he's break from the corporation. He'd go into Tommy when he'd be at his break, and he wouldn't think he'd be mine you, but he'd be writing a song on you. Just pay attention for a while, me good friends, one and all. I'll sing to you a verse or two about a famous ball. The ball was given by some friends who lived down in Ash Street. In a certain house in the Liberty where the right men were to meet. The names are called at seven o'clock, every man was on the spot. And to show respect to the manager, every right man brought his mot. Well, I must say this, I brought mine at twenty-five minutes to wait. And the first stand up was Kieran and Grace to tell me I was too late. Well, there were some great characters in our street and some great neighbours. We had anything you wanted in Ashley's. We tinkers, tailors, tinsmiths, rope walkers, anything you mentioned, we had it. We talkers and fishermen, we racemen and touts, we'd everything in it. We even had houses where they kept girls. But of course, not like now. And the girls went about their business, they went, nobody knew anything about them. And any house on the far side of Ashley's were all for married couples. And I can tell you there were some characters in that too. Well, now, who, was, who were the Grace family? Who was Kieran Grace? Kieran Grace. Oh, he was there. Uh, he lived He lived in the top head, in the top front room. Now, he, there were no trades, you know what I mean? There were only ordinary labourers. No grandeur or no trades or anything like that. Just one big happy family. If your mother had nothing today, if my mother had it, your mother would have it. If your mother was going to have a baby, all of her children would be taken away from her and looked after till she got up on her feet. And there was never a door shut in Ashley's. Everyone was neighbours. If they had a bit of a bust up in the night time, maybe kill one another. They come down to shake hands the next morning, you don't get a point. There was no end in it. But you mentioned something about the Gray's family and a funeral. Oh, he was a Liberty Hearse man. Kieran Grace. Kieran Grace, the Liberty Hearse man. He used to carry the corpse at last eleven. And they started out about six in the morning. They wouldn't land in last eleven until about twelve because they'd be stopping at every public house of meat, taking a jar. At that time, you could get a loop lying for three halfpence, and you'd get a glass for a penny, a point for a token. 
Now me and me uncle Davy come up at a quarter to eight. We were at the shovin' a handcart all the way from Dunna Bate. We hadn't a butt to stick in our gut and we landed in Carmen Hall. But there we were sure of a package or two the night of the ripeman's ball. Now up jumps Humpy Sudalam and says, I think somehow, the way you're going on all the night you're looking for a row. But look here, Grace, if you want your face, you better not shout and ball. There's a lot of hard shots be here tonight to respect the ragman's ball. Oh, Humpy Sudalam, he was an old man used to go round, little low-side man with a cap and thing. And when he'd meet you, you'd turn up your head and sing, and I'm suitable, I'm suitable, I'm I lost the love of Mary Jane. Suitable, I'm suitable, I'm suitable. He used to go around singing. Suitable was a man. He wasn't six. He wasn't hardly fresh for soy. And he was really big, blocky. A blocky type of a man. And he used to go around gathering rags. And he sat outside of the pubs and he'd sing but to see if he'd get a couple of coppers. But uh, he, uh, if he got drunk, it used to take six policemen to take him, strange as it seems. And the only time I ever heard his name, his real name, his real name was John Brain. We all sat down to some fish and chips and every man was there. And as a part of honour, Billy Bolin took the chair. He swiped the chair and sold it to my school in Carmen Hall. And he danced on the face of Carmen Grace the night of the Reichman's Ball. Now says my when you're a queer one and Billy you're hard to beat. When up Jim plays a bowling dance, she told her to hold her place. Well, my way, my the closest her, she missed and struck the wall. And the two of them went in the ambulance the night of the Reitman's Ball. It mentions in the song that they sat down to fish and chips. They would have bought those. They wouldn't have cooped the fish and chips. No, they wouldn't coop them. They would buy, they'd buy them. And where they buy them, it'd be Rocker in Thomas Street. Rocker. He was an Italian, a man that size. He was that size. When he'd walk his stomach, he'd walk water shaking like that. I remember him well. Do you remember him? No, Mary, I don't. Do you know? No, no. Ah, oh, me love I didn't know where Thomas Lee's had come up here. <laughs> Jenny, I didn't. I always went that way. Well, there was no chip yeah. up there, Shadow. No, he was yeah. the only one. No fish chip shops anywhere. Rocker in Thomas Lee's. And he'd walk like that. He was the one that walked. And he would just put it in. The Maybe he was going. The was clean that time now, remember? There was no clean the things that happened. Maybe he was going up to throw him. No, it's poor rapper, he said. He might be going out to throw him. And uh, he'd give you a lovely fish and a lovely lo load of fish. Uh, now I never knew where Thomas he was in the season, like, so I come up to it. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Do you not remember no. that? And how would he give you the, the chips, Mary? He put them into a big lump of paper to be the news of the world was an any kind of paper at that time. Now you know, there's no sanitary or anything like that. Listen, Mary, that shop rocket. 
Oh. That would have been there when you were about ten, would it? That'd be. That's right. I'd be about ten. That's right. That'd be the time of the song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm hmm. That's the right. That's right. I'd be about ten year old, and um, he was the only chipper around the facility. No, there was no one else had chips or fish. Only rocker. And now Billy Boland. He was a rag merchant. He owned a marine store on the coast. Some of his relations is alive yet, a lot of his relations. And his wife, Liza, they owned it in marine stores. Just to make the thing a swell affair, we brought some friends we knew. We brought some blanker, tweely linen, big Dan Kenny too. And a gallon jack tar, smoked his cigar, and slipped coming through the hall. He lost his bag and all, he swagged the night at the ragman's ball. To keep the house alive, me boys, we brought some music too. We brought some Tommy Rellins on his old tin whistle too. He played that night with all his might until the dawn. But we couldn't find many to dance with Don Kenny the night of the Ragman's ball. Oh, who was Blind Gort Whelan? That, that was a relation with Granny's. He was a cousin of me, Tommy's Gort Whelan. It was a relation, it was my granny's sister's son. He used to go around selling little holy pictures. We went, to, we went into Belfast one night and he sung the pay for shafts and he got six months for it. Sung the pay for shafts and he got six months for it. And when he come up here to visit, he hated to go back. He wouldn't go back to Belfast. And who was Big Dan Kenny? Oh, Dan was a big man. The pair of beat up like the back. Dan? Dan was a powerful big man. Big Dan Kenny. Yeah. Hard man he was. And what did he work at? He was, uh, I think it was in the racing business, wasn't he, Dan? Oh, Dan was a big man. He always used to come to the hall every day and he'd roll up. You up there, Muddy, Winters. You know what I'm going up for? Come on up, Dan, he used to say so. And he'd take up the mug and put it into the pot where he'd have all the chickens next boil. And he used to say, look at Muddy, when I get a, a bowl of that soup into me, I'd fight. I'd fight with a brown bummer. <laughs> I was a big man. They were all used to come up in the country in different parts and then they'd settle in Ashley, you know. They'd get a house in Ashley and they'd settle and then they'd be all in neighbours. We'd everything in Ashley. Yeah. There was chicken people and hen people and anything you were talking about in the next place. Well, now, who was Jack Tarr? Jolly Jack Tarr, oh, she was just now so Tommy Haley, they were Coombsies. He always had an old swag back. He used to go down and sell them swag. Like, if you were talking, you know, and he used to call him Jack Tarr, Tommy Haley. And what swag? Uh, swag is a uh, poly pictures, boot laces pins and things that you buy a load of them for a couple of coppers. You go to the street or down to the races selling them. And what's Tuggers is it you say? Tuggers is if people go out of a basket car and they go all around the city out to Kingstown and everywhere and they knock at the door and if you've any old clothes that you don't want you give them for nothing and if you've anything to sell they'll buy off you. And that's the fact that some of them selling over here and are very comfortable on the hill in Parnell Street. Mm -hmm. The O'Keefe's, they were took us. Nearly every, 
They were all a hard-working family, everywhere. There were stick breakers, sold sticks, sold papers, sold laces and all everything in it. Everyone got a living out of it. And everything was real cheap in it. Now we mentioned Tommy Reynolds. Tommy Reynolds. Oh, he used to sell there. Tommy Reynolds, he lived in Macy. He used to, what's this he used to sell? I think he used to sell fruit. Tommy Reynolds used to sell fruit. I think he used to go down hawking fruit. That's when they used to go down hawking. Oh, no, no, not yet. No, he was a cockle man. He used to sell cockles. I remember him now. He used to come in the night time, him and another man. And when we'd be in bed, he'd be rolling in the middle of the night, maybe about 12 o'clock, large cocks, large cocks. And when we'd tell him, my granny used to say, that's a boo man. And we'd very much he's waiting for a head on the clothes. He used to sell in the middle of the night, he used to sell the cockles, basket on his head. Tommy me that cockle man. And it mentions in the song that he, he brought along his tin whistle. Yeah. He played the tin whistle. I used to play anything, anything. You mix all your sweat and whistle. Mix all your sweat, put it all around the floor and the only children with. Don't get me a penny tin whistle. And I got the penny tin whistle, we'd be out and he'd playing the tin whistle and trying to play where he knows. Well, for Aiden, we had plenty as much as we could hold. We drank Brady's airplane porter till around the floor we rolled. In the midst of all the confusion, someone shouted for a song. And up jumped Madden Lobbin and sang, keep rolling your bottle along. That place where they bought the porter, that was in France, but they used to go for the favourite on the kiln, Lousy Head. Mr. Jolan, but they used to call him Lousy Head. You used to go into him for a, a loop line. And then there were Christmas, if you were all the year round with him, if it Christmas you'd get a present out of him. Well, the men would look for the whiskey, a pint of whiskey. But the women, they'd take up more that they didn't get a pint of whiskey in the makings of a pudding. Hmm. That's how many bought was only a penny. Now, when you mention the loop line, what are you talking about? The loop line is a three halfpenny pint. If you're going to get a point, it used to be tuppen, two pence. But when you go in, you get one a loop line for three halfpence. Loop line polka. They sold it in that public house in France, see, that's what they used to buy. That was Brady's? Yes, the loop line polka. And that's where they got it that night that's at the Ragman's Ball? That's where they got it at the Ball. Did you ever drink it yourself? Never in my life. I never smoked. It didn't taste any different to normal porter, it was just cheap. No, it was just the same. The only thing is it wouldn't be a good head on it, you know. But many times I brought a loop line, again, we went to my, going, my grandfather's lunch. That time when they'd be getting their dinner, you could bring their dinner to the man walk. And they'd go into an old hall and sit down, they'd be knocking down the house, you know. And we often went in and sat down and had, like, ate some out of the bowl with him. And we give him the three havens, say, my granny said, here, that's your for your loop line and that's your penny for your bit of tobacco. Do you know how the name came about? Did you ever hear anything about that? No, I don't know how the name came about. Now, you remember the loop line porter. What was that, Frank? Well, I'll tell you, that was a three hatings a point over at the butt bar. It was called the butt bar over on Eden Key. Over there. I often drank it myself. Go in and get a point for three hands. That was the butt bar, that was called the loop line because of the loop. 
going over from Patricia. The Loop Line Railway. Railway. Now, that's why it is called the Loop Line. And did it taste any different to other porter? No, it was better than the porter you're drinking now. Oh, man, you get that. You wouldn't be able to lift a tumbler that way. If you were lifting up your foot, you'd have to slide it off. It, the porter was so... Uh, the, 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 what's it to call it? I, uh, it, was, it was so powerful that it was like varnish. What, what used to come down off of the point that cross? used to go onto the table. And they all had mahogany tables in them days, and mahogany counters in them days. Well, the students would come along and they'd wipe the, with the cloth. And the more they'd wipe that with the, it, the more it was like varnish going onto the mahogany. Oh, man, that'd be glittering. It used to polish up glittering. But that was great portal in them days. Marvellous portal. You wouldn't get a point like it now. So when the war came, nothing happened to change it until about 1915. But a lot of the publicans in the poorer area reduced the price of the drink to, practically speaking, uneconomic factors of living. And they were called loopliners. And I very well remember Corcoran's and Art King Street because he was in a very low way. His sons afterwards um, bought Dangler's Rest in Knockmaroon. They've only recently, about uh, 20 years ago, left it in Knockmaroon. But um, there was another one, uh, had his son, a very pleasant young priest afterwards in Abbey Street. That was another pub which was a loop liner. And the loop liner was simply a pub that sold it at, I think, a penny or a halfpenny cheaper per pint, plain and double eggs. And they had such an enormous sale that when the war continued and Guinness rationed and the big pubs with all the influence of, uh, influx of thousands of British soldiers here for training in the Marlborough barracks and the Royal barracks, and Beggar's Bush and all the rest of us, that the drink was well nigh unobtainable. The brewery, as they called it, Guinness or Darcy's, wouldn't give more than the given quota. And the result is the men doing the big business would descend on the like of Corkin and North King Street or this man in Abbey Street, who I'll tell you his name later when I find it out and offer them up to two and three pounds, I think, a keg or a tierce or whatever it was. And suddenly the prices of pubs began to soar, and that was the first lift. But that they were called loop liners. But they existed long before the war. I think a halfpenny on the uh, pint of plain and a penny on the pint of Guinness, cheaper than any other place. And that was a big amount of money then. And how many loop liners would there have been in Dublin? Well, uh, what I... What percentage of, of public houses? Fortunately or unfortunately, I think my father was a very <laughs> knowledgeable person on that line. And he reckoned there was about 24 of them at the trial.
And what's the relationship between the loop line bridge and the loop line port? I never heard any association between the two with the loop line. Never. Never. I didn't. But um, the loop liner, uh, for a man who could surprise, I think it's a very reasonable name for him, isn't it? Huh? A loop liner. Huh? So maybe they call the bridge after the loop liners instead of... Port Al Dunlavin, yeah. Um, he used to play the concertina, that what you call it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the concertina, that what you call them things, the concertina. Not no, not a melodeon. Yeah. You know, the small round, round he used to play yeah. that. And he used to sing all of his songs. And the tans used to come round and knock the stuff out and give him a few digs. Well, he'd go into a pub. And he'd look round, he'd be one beside him, what could be the other side, and he'd say, I wouldn't wash my feet and that stuff. He wouldn't drink pardon. He'd whiskey. He'd have a small whiskey. Don't love him. He sang all over his songs. And the tans knocked out on him many times, they milled him, you know. Why was he called Dunlavin? He came from Dunlavin. In County Wicklow? Yeah, that's how he was called Dunlavin. And would he march up and down the street singing? No, he sang outside the pubs playing too, in different places, you know. And uh, then, he, when he only collected a few bob or whatever it be, Eleven is a small whiskey was then. He'd go in and he'd get the small whiskey. Eleven is a point of stout and eleven is a small so he'd claim part of those aims. Did you ever hear any yarns about him or funny stories about him? Not about John Lavin now. No. That's all now remember. Where he lived, I don't even know. I don't think he, he ever lived in any place. Slept in halls. Them days, you know, they were all sleeping in halls all round, all them poor characters. He used to go around sleeping in halls then and the people in the house would give them the cup of tea for their breakfast. He wore an old soft hat and an old dust coat, don't love him. He was a fairly, fairly tall man. All over his songs. And who was Don Lavin? He was a man who used to go all around the country with a melodeon. And that was the first song he used to sing, We Are the Boys of Waxworks, before it was hard in hand. That was the first big John Lavin. And he had the top coat, and I think it was on him at the time he was christened. And the trilby hat. Great Irish man, supposed to be a great Irish man. Play his, his melodeon going around and that one. And they were all at the Ragman's Every Ball? Everyone was at it, everyone. At the Ragman's Ball. Well, Tommy wrote it. Now we all sat down to some hamperings and everything was quiet. I must say for broken noses we had a lovely night. Black eyes were there and great demand, not to mention split heads at all. So anyone wants to commit suicide, let them come to the Ragman's Ball. Well now, Miss Byrne, what was the Ragman's Ball? The Ragman's Ball was all about the neighbours and Ashley's. All about them. It was all about the liberty. Nobody else, no one in the Ragman's Ball was a stranger. Everyone in them was in the, belonged to liberty and lived in the liberty. And it actually took place? It actually took place there. And what was it, a party or a hooligan? It was a party in Hooley they gave, in one of the little two-storey houses in Ashley's. They gave the party. Them was the houses I was telling you, going to belong to, all along the side of Ashley's. And what, what was Tommy's full name? Thomas Winters. And could you tell me a bit about Tommy? Tommy's only going to tell you about Tommy. Tommy's a difficult for playing jokes on people. A great love music, love life. Tom did. 
I się wysypnie do niej rojże sama, nie? Że lubię piano player. I go player piano będzie śpić. Tam jest great music. All for life. Tomas. He's a hard chicken, my Tomas. He was a great man for falling in sports, boxing and everything. There was a fight one night in the, in the Olympia with Johnny Corden. Johnny Corden was a boxer. And during the fight, the fella failed him. And my uncle Tommy jumped from the gallery of the Olympia onto the, onto the ring. And his father-in-law was sitting in the crowd. And when he came home, he said, well, Johnny Corden was fouled in the fight tonight, but there's some effort needed, whoever he was. And if he's not dead, I don't know what to say. He jumped from the Olympia, the gallery onto the foot then, and there's Tommy, his son-in-law. He didn't know. But then when the elections had come around, all the men actually go in the gang in Kevin Street, New Street. Well, they'd hang out a dummy from one side of the, the street to the other, and they'd stuff it. Well, if Rasha Burden was going up at Johnny Swain, the councillors, there'd be again one another to get into the corporation. And Tommy used to go around canvassing for the voting. And if you knocked at your door, the, before the office would be open in the morning, even if you're in your skinny drag, you'd vote for them, once he'd be going for them. Well, one night they had a big rally, you know, to have it in the middle of New Street, where the fountain was, not there now, but there was a fountain there. And during the time they were gone, and they had torches and tin cans, with uh, turf and oil on it, and some of them tried to set forth to Tommy. <laughs> but he was a terrible character now, he used to do terrible things, even on my grandmother. Tommy was in the First World War. He left his car outside the recruiting office. He joined them. He worked in the Clendon Department of the Dublin Corporation. And in 1915, coming home from work, he left his car outside of the recruiting office and went in and joined up. And we had an old dog, the name of Magzo, and she was always with Tommy. And she brought the car back to White Horse Yard. And when Tommy was killed in 1916, she was killed on the Coombe car about two weeks after. How were wakes and funerals like? Oh, just a whole year awake. A whole year awake, it was. In the olden times, I often heard them saying before I was born, that we had a Liberty Hairsman, the name of uh, Colonel Grace. And if you couldn't afford to pay for the cab or to bring the corpse to last in heaven, well, he'd done the Liberty Hairsman, they'd done the carrion. They'd leave the house at six o'clock in the morning with the corpse, and they'd land about twelve outside the last Nevin gate. And I need tell you, going along the corpse, we left out a side of a few public houses, and they'd have a few scoops. Even if it was only a three-eighth loop liner, they'd have it. And then when they'd come home from the funeral, it'd be a holy. They always believed in giving them a great send-off. And did you ever hear them talk of playing games with the wakes? <coughs> Spin the bottle and dab a fish. Oh, that's just bad. But before my time, when there used to be wakes, that's where many a couple met, met one another and got married. Because everyone would be dressed up in their best, and it used to be a cerebral wake, it'd be a sing song. Be like a hoolie. And that's where a good many of them picked up with their husbands and got married. It was a comic. Same thing, same actually. When you go into the way where there was a carpet, you'd have to shake the holy water and take the pinch of snuff. 
as though people used to say that snuff recommend, uh, was recognised as the clay that you were going down into and the holy water was a speed home. And you mentioned earlier about uh, burial in Ballyfermot, where Ballyfermot is now. At that time there was anyone that couldn't afford to pay for a grave. They used to bring them out to Ballyfermot, a place called Ballyferm. They used to call it that time. And they bring them, they go out a little day before and dig the grave. And the next morning they go out and bring the grave. If it was a child, it was put over the wall. And if it was a person, the gate would be open. The gate would be forced to open to let them in. And there used to be, it would be a holy then. The very men that they'd ask, where's the, the weight coming from? As they said, they kill them off Street and all the pubs are closed down. Of course, they used to do a bit of rooneying in it. And what was that, rooneying? Rooneying, they'd go in and they'd call for the drink and they'd be waiting to see who was going to pay for it. And if they couldn't afford pay for it, everyone them walked out. The man never got anything. Oh, come all you party panelites from Cork Street and the Coombe. If you'll pay attention for a while, I'll tell you very soon. I'd like to sing a comic song, and I'll make no mistake. It's not about the right man's ball, it's all about his wake. Now you've all heard tell of a right man's ball, it was a funny sight. When one guy got stretched out through interfering in the fight, we went around collecting a subscription for to make, and we bought him the second-hand coffin boys just to respect his wake. Now we sent out invitations to the neighbours near and far. We sent for Big John Kelly, Blind Guards Whalen and Jack Tarr. We sent for Moscow Conroy and her friend to bake some cake. For the boys, they all felt hungry on the night of the right man's wake. Now for eatables, we had plenty. We'd ham pairings and pig's feet. We had spare ribs and knuckle bones, pigs cheeks from towns and streets. Dan Kelly, he got hungry and he started on the cake. He got struck on the nose with a pig's cheek bone on the night of the right man's wake. Now there were buckets of loop-line porter, it came from a well-known spot. Fair Lanigan was the disher out, assisted by his knot. Some tried to come the double event, sure it hadn't cost a make. For everything was got on the slate for the night of the right man's wake. Now Susan started to sing a song that night in stately room. And against the rules he started a song called Sailing in My Balloon. Well, he only had a first verse sung when Carrigan, the well-known rake, 
sent him sailing through the window on the night of the ragman's wake. Now, up stood Paolo Fini, he considered himself a brick. He wanted to borrow an umbrella to play the three-card trick. When someone shouted that man is mad, thrown out or his neck will break. Does he think he's on the Baldile race course instead of a poor man's wake? Now the boys lay down to have a snooze. They slept with their clothes on. And when they awoke the following morn, they found the corpse had gone. So they went through all their pockets and the contents of them to take. And he had virtues for a few more hard chores to go to a right man's wake. And who was Fair Lanigan? He was a chucker. He was the hander out of the loop line porter and his mat. Lanigan? God, I don't remember him now. Of course, I suppose I knew him, but I didn't remember. He's all dead so long. Jesus must be over 60 years dead. Yeah. How long has my uncle Tommy dead? Since 1916. I tell you, that's a good space in that now, isn't that? And actually, that has been well raffled with that. Here in. in uh, in 1917, they started knocking down, and they were scattered everywhere. Some of them went to that down to as far as Ring's End, and over the Creighton Street and all. The singer of the Ragman's Wake, 85-year-old Frank Augusta, was born near Creighton Street. He remembers how he got the song. They were going round the pub selling them in pamphlets, you know, leaflets. Well, they were selling them for a halfpenny each, and I bought one of them. And how long ago was that? Oh, that'd be about... Oh, it'd be over 70 years ago. I was very young at the time. And do you remember the characters in the song? Who was Fair Lanigan? Well, Fair Lanigan was a publican. At the corner of Moss Street. <coughs> do you know when you go down Moss Street? On the left-hand side. Well, his pub was there on the corner there. And all the jockers used to assemble there. It's in that pub. And they'd be drinking and talking, and then they'd end up in a row and they'd take off their coats, come out into the street. There was Zaddlers in it, Zaddler ladies, and <laughs> they'd be stuck into it. <coughs> they used to take their shirts and all off and get out of it and have a set to. Well, there was a fountain there on the corner of Mossley. And between Mossley and uh, Poolbank Street. And this night I was going by, there was a row out of usual whatever the pub. And your man makes a bell, gentler sinner, makes a lunge at your man. And in kitten hitting him, he hit the top of the fountain with his fist, and he put the fountain, the big orange top flying down the street. Now, there were terrible heavy men, good men that time. Their fist was like orange, because they worked so hard that they're taking in the coal boat, you he, know. He hit Fallofini, did he? Huh? Was it Fallofini you mentioned there? Yes. Oh. And who was Fallofini? 
Well, I never knew Fane. Personally, you know. I only knew the names around the neighbourhood. That's all I knew about them. And who was Callaghan, the well-known rake? Well, he, he, was, he lived in... Uh, he lived in Pill Bank Street. He was married and he lived in Pill Bank Street. And he's dead and gone. Butsy Callaghan. That's what they call him. Butsy. Now, do you remember ballad singers in the area? Yes, I do. Remember Mary Ann McGaldy. Mary Ann Hazen. She was a ballad singer. She used to sing Mick McGilligan's daughter, Mary Ann. And uh, that was a thing. She's a darling, she's a daisy, and she's everybody crazy. The fully arms of Irish love was Mary Ann Malone. That was one, two of her ballad singers. And then there was another ballad singer I used to sing with her. He used to play the banjo. The name of uh, Mac uh, Macaroni. He used to play a ballad singer. She used to play a melodium. Or a, uh, a banjo. And then there was the Royalties. They were, fam they were famous banjo players. One of them was coming home from England and got, went down with the Titanic. Prissy Royalty. But of course she survived. She was saved. But she went down with the Titanic. And would Tommy give a song like the Ragman's Ball to the ballad singers? Tom wrote any ballad, any ballad ever Tom wrote, he gave to all the ballad singers. Because that time they used to sing in the street with the ballads for a couple of coppers. And if he wrote the song in the morning, he was going to walk, if he seen anyone he knew that, that sang ballads, he gave it to them. He gave away all his ballads. Lovely ballads he wrote. He says, I said before, if he, be, if he was alive now, he'd be a millionaire. Colm O'Loughlin, in his notes to the song The Night of the Ragman's Ball, states that the Dublin printer Arigo, who printed the song as a broadsheet ballad over 70 years ago, was persecuted by the notabilities mentioned in it, many of whom demanded largesse. Mrs. Byrne remembers this. They come up complaining to me granny about him, and the woman that nursed him, Mike Conroy, when she went up, she said, she was sitting at the table, and she walked in, she was rolling and crying, she said, God forgive you, Tommy. And he looked at her, I see what's wrong with your mazo. And she said, oh, God forgive you. I never thought you'd make little me. So yeah, I'm only making you famous, ain't I, putting your name on a song. And then Mrs. Boland and her husband, they come up to fight me granny over it. And my grandfather said, let them, what about them? Should have become famous. <laughs> 